Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on what looks to be a beautiful weekend in Colorado. I know the mountains are supposed to get a little snow and you know, we've had snow on the front range. Is there 11 or 12 weeks at this year, Karen? Do you know? 11. So 10 out of 11 weeks, we have had snow. And we might get a little rain or snow next week, but we've got some really nice weather. 55 today, 60 tomorrow, and then it's going to be in the 50s and 60s. We're going to get a little drop down. It gets a little seasonal, but it's, uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend to be out. And we're going to talk a lot about the things you can do when you're out. We're going to talk some fishing. You know, ice fishing is going to be good in the mountains, but it's wrapping up here in the front range. We're going to uh, talk about the upcoming ISE show here, and we're going to give away some tickets. So stay tuned for that. If you were listening last week, you know that we gave away some uh, ISE tickets. And you have to pay attention to what I say on the show because a lot of time, that's how you win the tickets, by knowing that. So pay attention. little housekeeping. Uh, next week, because of NCAA basketball, I heard there's a basketball tournament. <clears throat> Only kidding. I used to do brackets just like the rest of you. But we will move over to ESPN because of the basketball games next Saturday only, as far as I know. So instead of being on 9 to 11 on the fan, we'll be on 10 to noon on, ES- 10 to noon on ESPN. And speaking of fishing, by the way, Karen just posted the fishing report yesterday on our our face our YouTube. I can't even talk. Our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So go check that out. Let's go to the phones while I can still talk. And joining us from ISC, the International Sportsman's Exposition, is John Kirk. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for coming on and saving me. I was starting to babble. <laughs> and just the beginning well you'll, you'll you'll find your groove yeah i just need a little more coffee as we go you don't know what happens to me when i don't do well karen's standing over me with a club so <laughs> <laughs> she takes the quality of the show passionately so i have to so <laughs> there you go hey you John. a good partner hey it is it's, uh, I, the best partner um john it's amazing what the last two years have brought. I mean, it's been it's been over two years since I've been at an international sportsman's exposition, since I've been at any trade show. This will be my first foray back. Um, you know, we had COVID and things got canceled last year and facilities were shut down and people didn't know what to do. And it's been crazy and we lost touch, even though I know that people listen and I get communications on social media. We've lost touch with our our stakeholders, our constituents, the people who absorb this information and use it. But on the flip side, so many more people have turned to the outdoors because you couldn't go to a movie, you couldn't travel, you couldn't go out to dinner, there were no sports. Uh, and they decided to go fishing, camping, kayaking, paddle boarding, hiking, and a lot of those people aren't going back to some of those other activities. So it, it's going to be really interesting because ISE is back. Now we're back at a different time. Why don't you explain that first? Sure. Well, um, uh, with COVID, with the facility, the Colorado Convention Center, 
in downtown Denver and everyone uh, so concerned uh, uh, in in January, we decided uh, that it would be best uh, to wait it out a bit and to move the show to March, which we've done. So March 24th to the 27th. And fortunately, uh, conditions have gotten much, much better and there, there are no um, restrictions in place for the show so people can come down and enjoy it as they always have or as it should be uh, enjoyed, which is face-to-face with friends, new and old, with the exhibitors, um, with the expert presenters. Uh, you know, it's just best to, you know, like, uh, it's best to be to, to be together and to be that way. Well, I couldn't agree more. It's it's time for me to see some of these people in person and say hi. I can tell you personally what happens to me. Now, in the past, we've hosted the tank with all the presenters there, Karen and I. That's going to be a little different setup. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I always come away so charged up when I leave the International Sportsman's Exposition because we, we go there and I get feedback, like I said, on social media and from our listeners and from people that, watch us on YouTube or, but when we talk to the people who come by and say, Hey, I listen to the show or I follow you doing this. And sometimes we get criticism. I wish you'd talk more about this. I wish you'd cover more of that. But just that interaction with the outdoor public, it always leaves me re-energized because sometimes on radio, I feel like it's going out, but is it getting anywhere? And, you know, I know we have good ratings and all that, but you still, when you want to hear when people say, and you talked about this, we went and did that, or that was so important to us. And that means that reconnection, that face-to-face contact, to me, is what I'm really looking forward to. Well, we are, too. I mean, it's the way humans are supposed to be. Um you know, together. <laughs> so this has been an uncomfortable couple of years for, for everybody and uh, tragic and catastrophic. And I mean, everyone's looking forward to getting back to as normal as we can. It'll be a different normal, but still, um, you know, in the, in the, out, uh, the coolest thing about the outdoors, um, or one of the cool things is that, you know, it's, it's nature, uh, natural it's it's nature uh without without any filters on it or anything in front of it you know you buy a steak and it's in a plastic coated thing and you never know that it came from a cow but when you go outdoors you're touching the thing itself and i think even if you don't realize there is a difference in that experience and it's the better experience it's the way it should be again um and and it and therefore i think it has it has energy it has uh it has feeling um it's more important and it's it strikes us as you know real and there's so many unreal things in the world um you know it's <laughs> and we've had so many filters put in front of us these last two years uh and we've been separated and, and you know we could go on and on but we're just very glad to have survived um you know and i want people to know that this show will be smaller than it has been in previous years and for that uh, we ask their patience as we regrow we have hundreds of exhibitors we have many features we have many seminars it'll be uh, much of what it was but it's not quite the same and again we ask people patience as we regrow it to uh, you know post covid well, excuse me, we still are going to have a lot of the main 
things that attracted people, and I was going to kind of get into that transition. I want to put a quick comment in about what you said just before that, and that's the the outdoors creates memories and a value system that isn't paralleled in any other activity. Uh, you don't have to ask your kids how life is going when you're sitting on the edge of a stream or on a hike. Life just comes up where you're in a boat. And folks, just for a lot of you that are either going back to the outdoors or new to the outdoors, uh, come down and talk to us. Come down and see what we have to show you for all aspects of people. In fact, let's tell people a little bit about what they will see when they get there, John. Start kind of, I'm new to ISC. I'm just walking in. Describe what I'm going to see. Wow, you're going to see a huge hall uh, filled with booths and sounds and sights that you've not seen. You're going to you're going to be able to meet hundreds of exhibitors from all over the world. You're going to be able to meet manufacturers uh, who have made something in their garage. Uh, oftentimes, the show has many so-called mom and pop exhibitors or manufacturers. Uh, and sometimes and often, actually, they'll come to a show like this because they haven't yet made it to the so-called big boxes. And uh, the experiences they have meeting with your listeners cha- changes their business in many ways and usually for the better because someone says, well, that's, that doesn't look right or have you thought of this? And it's still, there's still time for them to go back and to make those changes, and they they listen and they watch, and and that interaction, you know, will make lifetime customers and will make products better. And the uh, folks, your listeners who come to the show, are going to get to talk to those people and see things that they haven't seen before, and be able to shape the industry and again make those relationships that that sometimes last a lifetime and, and lead to some incredible experiences. Um, you know, they're going to see the, the large features that we have in the show. These are special features throughout the show, uh, a campfire theater where people can learn just about uh, all aspects of outdoors in Colorado, camping-focused, um, family-focused. Uh, they're going to see a sporting dog arena with all sorts of demonstrations there about falconry, um, uh, uh, service dogs that we've not had before, as well as the hunting um, dogs. They're going to be able to go to the Adventure Theater, and they're going to be able to see the experts in the state talk about fly fishing and hunting um, around the state and around the world. And um, they're going to see a, a giant fly pond where they can cast um, flies as well as conventional gear, and they're going to have experts to, to show them what to do and how to do it. Um, they're going to see retailers where they can buy all sorts of products. They're going to see a giant elk display from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Great Elk Tour. Um, there's going to be a rifle raffle next to there as well. And something that you host, uh, which we're proud of, I mean, typically we've had a tank. For this year, we have not been able to get a tank, and so we created a theater, which works very well in all of our shows. And it's a sit-down area, and the folks will be able to do presentations using PowerPoint and video. And so... Um, the, the folks won't be able to see the live fish, but they're going to be able to see fish on the screen, and they're probably going to have a more immersive experience and maybe a more educational experience than they've had before, uh, but different. Well, and I can tell you that <clears throat> I take a lot of credit for the people who show up at the fishing theater, but as you well know, I just kind of sit in the background where Karen sets it up and pretend I know something. But... <laughs> but 
she does a great job of keeping our speakers engaged and lining up new speakers. And she has put a program together uh, this year that I think is going to be phenomenal. You're going to see so many of your regular speakers like Nate Nate Zelinsky, Chad Lachance, Austin Parr, uh, excuse me, Brad Peterson, a lot of these, and we're going to have those lists of their topics. will be up online if they're not already. They are. And, and we're going to have tremendous information. Another thing she's worked on, and I've helped her with this, and we've set it up every, every year for, I think, the last four or five years at least, and that's Sunday. We kind of gear the activities at the fishing theater towards families, uh, women, and, and youth. And the whole idea is that not that we're not going to have things for the rugged outdoor guy, but we're going to have things for people who are just getting into fishing or maybe for some ladies who are a little bit intimidated to ask a man a question, but we're going to have female presenters and male presenters and then getting kids. I've been evangelistic about getting kids in the outdoors. If you don't get them in early too often, they never go. So every year I've worked with manufacturers and We've Karen and I have put together rod reel kits and tackle for these kids. And I want to give kudos to Eagle Claw Wright McGill, who is a local company right here in Denver. They stepped up with 50 kids fishing rods that we're going to be giving away on Sunday. And we'll tell you how you can do that. It's probably going to be around the middle of the day, Karen, on Sunday, the family. Uh, I think I think she's not paying attention to me. She's busy working, but I think it's around it's around one around one o'clock. The kids around one o'clock, one thirty. So just prior to one thirty, we'll have something on Sunday to give away those rods. And then she worked with you to put together tackle packs, so they'll have additional giveaways for some other kids. So there's going to be stuff for like seventy seventy five kids there that they'll get free that they're going to leave with something. And there's going to be seminars and getting started fishing, women in fishing, youth in the outdoors. We're going to have so much going on Sunday. So that's going to be a special day. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't come more than one day or come every day. I'm really excited to get out there, see people, John. I think all the theaters, um, you've got the Campfire Theater, which you mentioned, the Adventure Theater, the Fishing Theater. We've got the Dog Arena area. We've got you know, Parks and Wildlife will have a huge display there. Not to mention there'll be guides and outfitters from all over the world booking trips, and people are starting to travel again. A lot of people got into the outdoors, and now they're ready to take that next step. Well, maybe they want to book exactly. a guide trip to somewhere more exotic, or maybe right here in Colorado there'll be guides. So it's going to be tremendous. Give us the dates and times and how we find more information. Sure. Uh, the show will run March 24th through the 27th. That's a Thursday through a Sunday. Um, the show opens on the weekdays at noon and closes at 7. Saturday, it's 10 a.m. until 6. Sunday, it's 10 a.m. until 4. Our website is sportsexpose.com. And once you go there, you can click on the Denver show. And you'll see that we have all of the theater schedules that you can look at. You can also read bios on most of the presenters who are there. You also can click a link and get a um, floor plan so you can kind of pre-plan your trip. There is an exhibitor list there. And there's also a link to seeing where we have discount coupons throughout the state. You can buy a ticket online, but it's $16. 
there are some social um, specials, so when you get a promo code, you can enter in, enter in there and save. But you can also look at the coupon uh, site and pick up a three. So I think it's three dollars. Yeah, three dollar coupon um, all around the state, actually. John, we are way out of time, but this is so important to me. We'll be talking about it, folks, off and on during the show and giving away some tickets. And I want to thank you for joining us. And, my friend, it is going to be good to see you and shake your hand again. Amen. Thank you so much, Terry. I look forward to seeing you and Karen and everybody. We welcome you back. All right. Thank you, John. John Kirk from, right. from International Sportsman's Expositions. We are excited, folks. It's only a couple weeks away. We're going to take a time out. If I was you, I would remember that there are three different theaters at ISE. There's an adventure theater with hunting and and fly fishing. There's a campfire theater with just camping and unique things. And there's the fishing theater. So I would remember those for later on in the show. We'll take a time out. We come back. Parks is going to join us. And we're going to talk about a new program to come up with some money to stop bear conflicts right here in Colorado. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and me the fan. Before we move on to our next guest, I do want to make one announcement. A lot of you saw in the last couple days that starting in 2023, you're going to be able to get a parks pass at a much reduced price when you register your motor vehicle. I don't have all the details on it yet, so we didn't get somebody scheduled to talk about it. We will, and we'll get somebody from parks to come on and explain what the impact is going to be on revenue and on park goers. So um, we are aware of that, and we are working to get somebody to come in and clarify and tell us the logic behind it. So we will work on that. But right now, let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Kristen Cannon. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, Terry. Hey, it wasn't a beautiful day. It uh, It's a great way for me to segue in. If it's warming up, the bears will be coming out pretty soon. I know, yeah. Feels like spring's right around the corner. It is. When do they really start getting active after hibernation? Well, it kind of depends on the bear in the year. Um, usually, you know, around April, they can start emerging from hibernation and they start out pretty slow and sluggish. But we do get reports in March. Um, I talked with somebody in Steamboat the other day who said they've already had some bear sightings there. So it's not unusual that they're out this time of year either. No, and then their activity kind of accelerates as they fatten up towards the end of the year to go back in hibernation. And you're here to talk about a program that uh, it's Human Bear Conflict Reduction, Conflict Reduction Grant Program. That's a mouthful. But anyway, I, I, from my understanding, I guess you look at you're going to take money and prevent bear interactions. So you're probably going to just police the streets and lock everybody up so the bears can have their way, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're, we're going to take away uh, everybody's garbage can. That'll, that'll solve the issue. But uh, no, we've, no, we've got this uh, sum of money available and we're, we're making it available to communities so that they can apply for grants that will hopefully help reduce bear, human bear conflict that they're experiencing in their neighborhoods and, and towns. Well, well, let's set the stage here a little bit. We have a very robust bear population in Colorado, which is good. I mean, it's it's well-maintained, it's healthy, it's in good shape. Um, bear conflicts over the last year or so have been down, but that's probably because of natural food has been up. You know, they, ha they eat a lot of calories when they're getting fat so they can hibernate again. And they do tend, if they find food that's 
associated with humans, they start to kind of associate all that and they get conditioned to finding food around humans. And the Colorado is a beautiful state. We have, we have these mountainous terrain. We have the prairies. We have all this beautiful wetlands. We have just areas that are so diverse in wildlife and people like to go out and enjoy that wildlife. And more than that, they like to move to where that wildlife is because they love the outdoors in Colorado. We've seen more and more homes and facilities being built and group camping sites being built where there is bear territory. And that in itself can tend to, if you're not careful, to precipitate more interaction, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. So a lot of where, you know, where we, where we cook, where we have garbage, where we live, um, we create a lot of attractants that bears will utilize, especially during years where there's not as much natural food availability. And so uh, it, when we have new neighborhoods or old neighborhoods and, and campsites and, and so forth, um, we also have maybe people who are newer to Colorado who don't understand the, the responsibility they have in keeping their garbage and other food sources secure from bears um, or the consequences of if they don't. So. Uh, hopefully this can can go towards some of those issues as well. Now, we've talked to, just last week, we talked about um, individual responsibilities, you know, bird feeders, keep your grill clean, keep your garbage locked up, don't put food in your cars and leave them out with dog food, pet food. There's a lot they can do, but this project is more aimed at probably, I would think, municipalities, uh, organizations of, maybe uh, just groups of outdoor people or groups of sportsmen or, or educational groups that want to educate people. Tell me the kind of groups exactly and how you, what kind of things you want them to be looking at to target for this money. Yeah, so municipalities are, are an obvious, um, they, they would, they're a great um, uh, applicant for this, this grant. Uh, anybody can apply though. And, and really what we're looking for is a place that is experiencing conflict and somebody with a solution that maybe just needs some capital to get it going, needs some funding to buy the bear resistant containers or put up the infrastructure. And so it, it we also want communities to kind of come together in this and, and have solutions that everybody's got some buy-in on. So yeah, municipalities are a great one, but it could be HOAs. It could be a nonprofit that works on bear issues or has experience with this. Um, that really, we're just looking for solutions to conflicts and try to scale it in such a way that can really benefit the community as a whole and, and has that support from the locals who are willing to participate. Now, when you talked to me earlier, this could be anything from uh, bear-proof garbage containers to electric fencing to hazing programs to even, you know, fruit trees. People don't understand coming and harvesting the fruit from fruit trees or maybe even reducing some of the fruit trees in an area. Fruit trees are, are a tremendous attractant, aren't they? They are. So if you even look at a place like Boulder that used to have a lot of old orchards, they have an amazing amount of fruit trees and it really is quite a bit of work to get all that fruit to to glean it and to get it for people to eat or at least just remove it as an attractant in town. And so that's a, a great opportunity there is to remove attractants like that, that may be more localized and, you know, you might not think of it, but it turns out to be quite a significant attractant in those areas in the fall, especially. Now we're going to run out of time here. There's a couple things I want to cover with you. One is where's this money coming from? Is this coming from license fees or where's the money 
being, where's the funding originating? Yeah, so this was part of a larger funding bill that was passed last year, House Bill 211326. And so this is general fund money, and we were given some money at Parks and Wildlife to do a variety of things. And one of those things was to benefit native species. And so we took this amount of money and we decided that we would put it into a grant program to try to reduce human bear conflict. And, uh, and we'll, you know, hopefully do some good things with it. Now, if I'm a municipality or an, an organization, and whether I'm tax-free or a educational or just a homeowners association, do I need matching funds to apply for this? So matching funds are not required, but they're obviously a great way to demonstrate that local community support and that buy-in. So we really wanted to make this program as flexible as possible, get the wide range of ideas that are out there, help out communities that maybe don't have the resources to have matching funds, but still matching funds are a really great way to bolster an application and, and help it rise to the top. Last question, because we're out of time, where can I find more information about the program? So we have all the information on this program on our, our Bear, Living with Bears website. And so that's our regular uh, website, cpw.state.co.us backslash bears. All right. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on with us. You know, and what people don't realize is when the bear comes in to your area, not only does it endanger you, but almost always ends up in the bear being euthanized. And so this really protects the bears, too. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Terry. Appreciate it. You bet. Kristen Cannon from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a time out. When we come back. We're going to talk about big game applications. They're coming up. They're already in place. You better be working on yours. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear locations up and down the front range do yourself a favor just stop in and check one out before i go to the next guest i promised i was going to give away some international sportsman's exposition tickets we're going to do this during the course of the shows over the next three saturdays but let's do some right now when i was talking to john kirk from isc we mentioned three theaters that will be presentations going on there's the adventure theater which is fly fishing and hunting there's the Fishing theater, which Karen and I host, which is conventional fishing. And there's a third theater that has other types of uh, seminars. It's more of an intimate setting. The first one to text Karen with the name of that theater at 303-713-1043, the name of that third theater, you get two tickets. We'll put them in will call for you at ISE. Let's go to the phone. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife patiently waiting i hope because we're running a little behind is devon adams good morning good morning terry how are you sorry you had to hold a little bit but i i thought the the bear program was important but so is yours so let's let's oh. get to it go ahead i'm sorry i, I was fa- i was fascinated to listen to the bear program so i was fine <laughs> <laughs> but you know Bears are, I guess, part of what we're going to talk about, not exactly, because, but the big game draw comes up, and bear is big game in Colorado, the, but the big game draw is coming up. It opened, I think, on the first of this month, and you have to have it in by the 5th of April, and I was so amazed. You and I were talking prior to this, and you said that 
80% of people don't apply until the last week and 40% don't apply till the last two days. And that really bogs the system down and doesn't leave much room for error. Absolutely. And it's, we really want to encourage people to apply early. That's why we have such a long application period. Um, it's just over a month. Like you said, it started on March 1st and, and the deadline is April 5th at um, 8 p.m. Mountain Time. And we have such a long application period to encourage people to apply earlier. And that way, that also gives them a chance to take a look after they apply, make sure that those hunt codes are correct, make sure they're in the right order. And we do allow people to modify their applications until that deadline. If you're waiting until the deadline to apply and something happens to your computer, your your power goes out, or you just panic and you apply in the wrong order, there's nothing that can be done about that. So we really do encourage people to apply as early as possible. Again, that's why we have such a long application period. Now we'll get back to the application itself in just a minute, but if you're waiting because you're just not sure, Parks and Wildlife has just a myriad of resources to help people, don't they? Oh yeah, we offer so many ways for you to really dig into those hunt codes, really dig into what you'd like to what you'd like to apply for this year. We've got our hunt planners that you can call. Just call the CPW call center and we've got all of um, all those hunt planners able to help you. We have all of our offices across the state that you could walk in or call and they are more than happy to help you. Our brochure, um, go to page eight. I love page eight and the big game brochure. It has so much information and there are uh, links there to a bunch of videos, tutorials, things to help you plan your hunt um, and, and how to navigate the website as well as the application itself. Well, in fact, you were telling me if you go to that big game brochure, there's actually a guide, an online guide on how to do the application. Is that right? Yep, there is. Yeah, our um, our call center manager did an incredible job putting together that guide. Um, it's step-by-step with visuals, um, so it makes it really easy for anybody to put in an application. And, you know, with all the help that's there, I mean, you have harvest information, you have all the types of topographical information on the Parks and Wildlife website. You can do such a job of planning, yet still people panic. They just don't know. They're unsure and they wait, and that makes it worse. You told me one of the things that the biggest mistakes you see are people don't fill out all four choices on their application. Yeah, and we see that all the time where somebody will just put in a first choice, and then they're waiting in line on leftover day, which is in August, and because they want another license. And it's like, well, use all four choices on that primary draw application. Use all four of them because that gives you an earlier chance. And then come secondary draw, if you don't get what you want in primary draw, use all four choices on secondary draw. That's eight chances before you have to wait in line, whether that's in person, um, by phone, or even online, to to get one of those licenses in August. Just, Just use the draw. That's really the best way to get a license. You get it early, you can arrange for your outfitter or you can, you know, arrange for your ATV rental, get your camping buddies together, your hunting buddies together. It's really the best way to go. And another mistake you said is people, because they wait till the last minute, they actually don't check over what they applied for and they make a mistake and they have no time to modify it. 
And that, uh, and it just breaks my heart when that happens because what we've seen happening is people will panic and they'll fill out their choices. They won't look at those choices, the actual order of them. Um, and there are, uh, before you check out four different pages, you can do that to make sure your choices are in the right order. And then once you check out, you'll get your email confirmation letter. And that's one big thing is make sure that your email is up to date so that you're getting that confirmation letter, that you're getting notifications from us about your application. Um, but checking to make sure that order is correct so that you're not, um, you know, if you have 20 points, you're not accidentally putting in a second choice license as your first choice and losing all those points all right now the message we want to get folks is do it early you can do it right now take some time have time to look it over do it right and make sure you know no one's going to guarantee a successful hunt but you'll have a lot better expectations if you do it right and you, you mentioned that there's so much great information in the big game brochure that tells you where to go to get resources uh, is that a brochure also available online besides hard copy at the licensed places? Absolutely, yep. We have it available online. Um, it's actually, if you go to cpw.state.co.us, it's CPW's website, it's right there on the front page. It says Big Game Brochure. And I'm not kidding you when I say I always have a copy with me, whether it's on my phone or hard copy, because I refer to that thing pretty much every day all year. All right. Thank you so much. It's good information. People get out and apply. You know, we have great opportunities for big game hunting in Colorado, one of the best states for opportunities in the United States. So take advantage of that, but do it right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Devon Adams. And just a just tremendous message, folks. Get it done. We're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to talk to somebody that's going to be at the International Sportsman's Exposition that has a nonprofit for dogs, for vets, and first responders. I am so excited about this. This is so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, uh, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're just a tear in my eyes each night I cry myself to sleep. You're just a memory of a love I somehow couldn't keep. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Obviously, that was a cut from Wickstrom and Dolbrith's EP that you can get on your local streaming service by just searching Wickstrom and Dolbrith. Give us a give us a listen. We'd really appreciate it. Now, back to the outdoors. Let's go to the phones. Uh, joining us, he is going to be appearing at the International Sportsman's Exposition in about a week and a half here, and he does an incredible program that I just wanted to make sure we took some time to talk about. Joining us is Frank Griggs. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning, sir? I am doing fantastic, and I am excited to talk about the program you have here. Um, first of all, it started out as a program for vets. And you expanded it to include other first responders, and it involves pairing them with a well, pairing them with a puppy or a dog to help fight PTSD and eventually other things as service animals. Uh, this sounds like such an incredible program. First of all, just tell us about the program. Thank you. What we do is yes, we do. We purchase a puppy, and when it's eight weeks old, we place it with a armed forces veteran or an emergency first responder who's living with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, once they get the puppy, then they start formal training around 12 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks, 
depending on the puppy. And uh, they go through nine months of training together, and we take them through all the training necessary for them to become compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we want them to be able to have a better life, and we've found that by using a puppy and creating a bond between both of them is, is really a fantastic way to help somebody combat their PTSD. Now, it'll never go away, but at least they'll have a better life than what they were living before. Let's talk before we get to the specifics, just uh, a puppy or a pet in general, we all know what kind of a psychological and emotional support system that can be. And first of all, you told me that you're training, you use no, um, no, no, no harm and no fear training. Yeah. We use no harm and no fear training. And it's all based on bonding. And I think the average everyday person who's had a new puppy and they've had it for a few years, especially understands just the emotional attachment and support you get from, uh, I always tease my wife. I tell her that having a dog who gives you, uh, his, his love is more, is almost better than a spouse. The, you come home, the dog doesn't say, where were you? What were you doing? It just says, I'm glad you're home. Here's my unconditional love. And you can just count on that. Can't you? Yes, you can. That's, that's the key to it is that, um, we believe that by placing a puppy with the individual, the puppy grows and learns that person. They learn their chemical scent and, and scent has a lot to do with this because they obviously any dog can smell, you know, 44 times better than we can. So they know when a person is having an issue because of the chemical change that takes place. And so we, uh, go ahead, but we want that bonding to take place. Well, and it's just amazing the things that they're finding out that dogs can detect. I mean, I've heard everything from cancer to diabetes to, you know, other types of things. But you're telling me these dogs actually, they can sense when there's a PTSD uh, attack coming on. They can sense a seizure um, and they can, they can alert somebody or alert you know, how does it work? Do they alert the person? Do they help alert other people? How does that it work? Depends, it depends on what type of service dog that it is. Um, seizure alert dogs a lot of times will alert other people. Uh, our dogs are trained for PTSD. Uh, a, a service dog has to be trained in a work or a task by law in order for it to be a service dog. So just an instinctive behavior doesn't doesn't count it as a service dog. It has to be trained. But what we do is we take the instinctive behaviors because they can tell when something's going on long before the person does because the person's chemical scent changes when they're stressing or triggering, even with a seizure, um, that chemical will start showing up before the person even recognizes it. So what we do is take those instinctive behaviors and turn them into trained behaviors, which it's phenomenal because, as you said, um, we train for PTSD, but we've had three of our puppies become uh, seizure alert dogs, and we've had three of them become diabetic alert dogs as well, just from that bonding process. So it's phenomenal what, what a dog can do is if you just learn to listen and watch what it's saying. 
Now, we only have a couple minutes left, but first, you're going to be at the International Sportsman's Exposition. What will you be doing there? Will you have a booth? Are you doing presentations? Tell us that. Yeah, I will be. We will have a booth there, uh, booth number 758. Um, so if anybody wants to stop by, stop by and say hello. I'd love to meet you. And uh, I will be doing uh, four classes over the, over the days. So I'll be doing some training sessions to talk about service dogs and, and working with veterans and, and first responders living with PTSD. So um, now, I'm excited for it. Now, in addition to that, of course, this is a service that you started out just for vets. You've expanded it to first responders. And you also wanted to expand the presence of this service. Now, I don't know. Do you need donations? Do you need volunteers? Do you just need awareness? And any or all of those, how do people find out more information? Well, Terry, we need all of the above. Um, you know, as a nonprofit, in these days in particular, we survived the COVID-19 impact um and some you know nonprofits haven't but we're fortunate that we have but it's still it is a chore to keep the nonprofit running but uh yeah um you know we need any kind of help and we can they can find information at heropuppyforlife.org that's heropuppyforlife.org and i would assume that if somebody knows somebody, a vet or a first responder with PTSD, they could also find how they might be able to take advantage of the program at that same website? Absolutely. There is an application page there. It has a video that explains everything we do and how we do it, um, what's necessary. It's all on our website. Um, so stop by and, and stop by there and stop by and see us at the expo. I, you know, I'd love to meet as, as many people as possible. And, and the last question, do they keep this puppy for life, and is there a cost to the first responder? Absolutely. They do keep the puppy for life. That's why we put a puppy with them, because we want them to bond with that dog. We believe the bonding is greater than if it's trained by somebody else and then placed with them, because the puppy has grown with that individual. Um, but, no, we do not charge them for the puppy. Um, we don't charge them for the training. We don't charge them for the puppy itself. So it's pretty much you know all they have to do is attend the training with their dog that is the key they have to stay in training and they have to stay in treatment because we want them to have a better life and if they're not in treatment there's chances are that things aren't going to get too much better all right frank what a tremendous program and for these people who have sacrificed so much for us whether it's overseas or right here in uh in the mainland it just they are heroes the website is heropuppyforlife.org, heropuppyforlife.org. Or I imagine you can just Google hero puppies, hero puppies, or something. It'll probably bring it up, right? Yeah, heroes, and it's it's actually hero with an apostrophe s because it's the puppy. It's the heroes. It's puppy for a hero. So, all right, um, all right. These men and women are our heroes. All right, Frank, we have to run, but thank you so much. Great program. Folks, stop by ISC, International Sportsman's Exposition. See Frank or look up Heroes Puppy for Life or go to HeroPuffyForLife.org. Thank you, Frank. Terry, thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Frank Griggs. What a tremendous program for people who have sacrificed so much for us. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, uh, Nate Zelensky will join us. We're going to talk fishing on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.